0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cinderella series, a podcast highlighting the greatest underdogs in sports. I'm your host Davis Johnson, and today we're going to get a bit unorthodox. As you know, uh, last episode I covered Appalachian State, a uh, football team that upset uh, number five ranked Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, but today I'm covering I'm covering a specific individual uh, because this is an individual sport. I'm covering John Daly and his feat at the 1991 PGA Championship. Uh, As a rookie golfer, and as you know, uh, this is Upstate was one of the more recognizable American underdogs in sports history. Whereas uh, this feat, actually, I had no knowledge of John Daly at the nineteen ninety one PGA Championship and just how disadvantaged he was going into the tournament. So it was really interesting, really interesting researching this athlete because he's a very interesting character. It was also really interesting to see how just how well he did, given the circumstances he was given. So. They'll show you the true meaning of swinging for the fences. Uh, so our destination today, Crooked Stick Golf Course in Carmel, Indiana in the year 1991. Ah, the beautiful game of golf. The ultimate gentleman's game, so to speak. Golfers wear uh, pretty clean-pressed khaki sh- pants, uh, nice button collared shirts, and oftentimes well-worn hats. In golf, there's a mutual respect between the players, the fans, and the course. and proper etiquette is expected at all times Uh, great moments are often met with polite claps and it's really one of the more intricate games around you know professionals fine-tune their various intricate movements in their swings uh, during their practice time and at crooked stick golf club in carmel indiana the 1991 pga championship field included some of golf's greatest legends like jack nicholas arnold palmer and fred couple's name a few so really these are the best of the best and For fans and purists of the sport, it doesn't get any better as the world's best oftentimes like to challenge themselves on difficult courses and dicey hole locations. And Crooked Stick definitely offered that opportunity to these players and is a great and major championships are always a great watch for the players and the fans. Well, there's John Daly. And I guess you could say he's not your average professional golfer. Cue the montage.
1: It's amazing. where I would go, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. We would sit in those tents and get absolutely hammered during a rain delay. Next thing you know, it would be the next... I don't know. Um, I could drink probably a case to 35 beers easily in a day. The amount of money that you've said you've lost gambling, you wrote you've lost $55 million gambling, over the yeah. years. How is that even possible? Stupidity, but no, it is. I, mean, I smoke about the same as the book, two packs, two, two and a half packs a day. I used but I to to drink anywhere from 12 to 20 Diet Cokes a day. How? Uh, I went to McDonald's three, four times a day. To me, they always had the best fountain drink. Fountain Diet yeah, Coke. I used to be able to eat like two Big Macs, two or three cheeseburgers, a chocolate shake, a Diet, or a regular Coke back then, you know, before I started drinking Diet
0: Cokes. All that crazy stuff you just heard, we do not know anything about that right now. In 1991, we are talking about John Daly, the PGA Tour rookie three years removed from his college days at the University of Arkansas.
1: I wanted to play for the University of Arkansas. I wanted to play for the Hogs, and, and I was going to starve myself to do it. I don't care how I had to do it.
0: In the mi- mid-90s, he became one of the most popular players on the tour, known for a super fast style of play, his grip it and rip it approach to, approach to the golf course, and his raw power created by his crazy long backswing. Uh, but in 1991, Daly was unknown and unheard of PJ Tour rookie, sporting a mullet and blonde mustache. And in 1991, the PGA Championship represented Daly's third only major championship appearance. On top of that, Daly only knew the morning of the start of the tournament that he was going to be teeing off. It's a ridiculous stroke of luck considering Daly was the ninth alternate in the tournament field.
1: Well, I, I, I knew I was ninth alternate as of Monday, I think, and... As of Wednesday, I was like second or third. I think I had to do something real close to Crooked Stick the week after. And I said, I'll just drive up. You never know. So when I got in, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, Thursday morning, and there's a message on on the hotel line saying that uh, you got Nick Price's spot. You'll tee off at, I think, 12-something. Uh, congratulations. Welcome to the 1991 Crooked Stick uh, PGA
0: Championship. That's right, Daly had to drive through the night to Crooked Stick for a chance, not even a guarantee, at a tee time, and he even had to tee off that afternoon against some of the world's best players without a practice run under his belt on a very difficult course. It did help that Nick Price's caddy, Jeff Squeaky Medlin, agreed to caddy for John Daly and had already gone through the course with, with Price the day before on our practice round and had already done some pre-round scouting uh, for Price. So let's summarize all of this. Daly hadn't slept, hadn't played a practice round, nor had much time to even practice before his tea time, all while having to navigate a golf course that he had never played with a caddy that he had never met. Does it sound difficult to you? Uh, it sounds difficult to me. Uh, I would never be able to do that. Uh, well, he, let's see here. First day, he shot a 369 on the first day and on the second day. W- wait, three under on the first day with no practice and no preparation. That's pretty good. Uh, Well, there's still three rounds to play, and only the best of the best can usually perform with excellent consistency for four rounds, and consistency was never John Daly's strong suit throughout his career. Uh, Let's see here. Next round, five under and a one-stroke overall lead at eight under after 36 holes. Okay, then. Due to his rather unknown status, very few live audience members were actually around to watch Daily's surprising performance through the first two rounds.
1: Thursday it was uh there was a few people, not many. Um, but it got a little bigger Friday, then Saturday it got really, really big. And then after I went to the preseason Colts game, you know, at Mr. Ursay Stadium there, uh, watched the Colts play the the Rams, I think it was. Um, I had no idea they were going to introduce me on the 50-yard line. Sure. I felt like I'd won the golf tournament already. People went nuts. And then Sunday was just like, you know, 60,000, 80,000 people out there just going nuts. It was great.
0: And uh, this won't be the case for the next two rounds. Uh, let's not forget, uh, during these early 90s times, golf really had no true superstars. Sure, there's great players, uh, but there's great players in every area, era of every sport. And yes... Players like Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer were in the field, but both were in the twilight of their careers and weren't really competitive in this tournament. In fact, when I, w- when I looked at the leaderboard for this tournament, I only recognized a few players on a name basis, and even then I didn't really know much about their careers at all. An interesting tidbit, uh, Jack Nicklaus is actually Daly's uh, childhood golf idol, and is actually partially to blame for the rookie's absurdly long backswing and thus his booming drives. When
1: I started, um, all I had was my uh, set of Jack Nicholas McGregor's. Um, they were men's set. So I started when I was four. Of course, it was a little heavy, so when I took it back, it would almost hit the ground. Right. And I never wanted him to change. Um, my dad wanted to cut him down. I didn't want him to. And that's how I got the long, the long backs.
0: His nickname wasn't Long John for nothing. And despite Daly's unique and odd style of play, the five time PGA champion Nicholas himself. Had nothing but praise for the impressive rookie uh, during an interview after nicholas's second round it's terrific i just enjoying it. i'd love to see a young guy play well I mean, we have so many young players that are good players and the only way that you know we're going to get stars in this game is have some of the young players do some things and uh, i think that's terrific it's great for the game of golf to watch john daly do this on day three Daly held steady by firing another three under 69 performance matching his first round score and bringing him to 11 under for the tournament, which which is three strokes ahead of fellow Americans Kenny Knox and Craig Stadler. And as he drills, this nine iron approach shot on 16 to within 10 feet of the hole. The announcers couldn't help but be utterly amazed with this rookie's uh, transcendent talent.
1: I'm just guessing if it's a wedge or a nine iron. Now I know it's a nine iron. And it's perfect. seen an exhibition of strength and power overwhelming a golf course like
0: this. And despite being a difficult course, Crooked Stick wasn't super long, which allowed Daly to overpower the course with power that was truly in a league of its own. And in a field of elite professionals armed with the knowledge of effective strategies and tactics, uh, Daly just stepped up to the ball and swung as hard as he could. And funny enough, it was working. So the fourth round is always where the drama starts in a major championship on the PGA Tour. So let's head to the par 3 17th hole on Sunday, which is the second-to-last hole of Daly's final round. Daly lands his tee shot in the bunker, and after a decent chip and a few erroneous putts, ends up scoring a 5 on the hole, a.k.a. a double bogey. Now, usually this is pretty damaging to any person's hopes uh, for winning a championship, much less someone like Daly, Uh, which, let's see here. Uh, Wait, he was already 14 under and up five strokes on the next closest competitor, and that would be Bruce Litsky. Crap, I thought I had something there. So I guess there really wasn't much drama after all uh, for Daly's final rounds. Daly pretty much led comfortably throughout the final round, despite the 17th hole blunder, uh, usually up four to five strokes for the majority of the round. So now up three strokes, the 18th hole served as Daly's victory lap and the audience let him know. The, uh, eight iron, I believe, just in the edge of the left rough. Just wants to get this on the putting surface and it's a good line. Left center of the green should be about the right. Distance. Watch should it feed perfect. down now. Get up there.
1: Same place Litsky made his putt from. And now, listen, the applause won't stop. Just watch and enjoy. Perfect line we got. You can do more than nothing there. Well, if that controversy yesterday rattled him at all, it certainly didn't show. I I really liked his answer when they asked him, well, what do you think it'll take to win? He said, I don't know. I've never been here before. The story has now become, become familiar. It's tonight. Alternate didn't even know if he was in the tournament on Wednesday night. I think Kenny Knox, even though he's shorter, will finish out. I really do end on a good note right here. Get it.
0: There you have it, Uh, on August 11th, 1991, Crooked Stick and the rest of the golf world witnessed the birth of a new style of golf and an athlete who would attract a completely different crowd to the game and be among its most popular names throughout the 90s. So what's next for John Daly after this monumental and career catapulting win? Well, first of all, Daly would go on to win the 1991 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, Uh, duh, uh, for the next four or five years, Daly was actually one of the more the tour's most consistent golfers, if you can believe it. Winning the BC Open in 1992, finishing third at the 1993 Masters, and despite being suspended during the 1994 season for this uh, meltdown at the at an Australian tour event.
1: Okay, well, he um, hit a ball off the tenth tee into the bunker, green Greenside on ten. Uh, apparently, there was another ball in that bunker off the range, but uh, under the rules, he's supposed to go and make sure that he identifies his own ball. He failed to do that. He hit the other ball, which was a wrong ball, two-shot penalty, and went to 11-T. Then hit it down 11 and proceeded to hit about six balls into the water. The excuse was, obviously, that he ran out of balls, and then he stormed off the golf course and it uh, wasn't very pleasant after that.
0: Uh, he would collect a win at the Bell South Classic. In 1995, Daly would collect his greatest win, per his interview with Graham Bensinger, The 1995 British Open at St Andrews, the birthplace of golf.
1: Just, I'm not a big traditionalist of golf, um, but I do respect the 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 value of the game to where I know it started there in St Andrews, and um, to me, it's the home of golf. And to win on that, and as growing up, you hear Nicholas would always say, "If you win at St Andrews, your career is complete." You hear all these guys talk about the British Open, St. Andrews. No disrespect to all the other courses or anything, but you win it at St. Andrews, you've you've pretty much accomplished one hell of a career.
0: And as it stands today, Daly has collected a total of 18 professional wins, but only five of those came on the PGA Tour. Daly's last win on the PGA Tour came in 2004 at the Buick Invitational, but since then has pretty much faded from the spotlight and hasn't really won a PGA Tour event since. And despite his popularity and exciting play style, Daly never really reached his full potential as a great golf player if his 1991 win was any indication of his potential. In fact, after his 1995 British Open win, Daly never won another major championship. So think about this. As an unprepared rookie, he won a major championship, but only won one more throughout his entire career. Do you remember that crazy audio montage I showcased earlier? Well, it can be reasoned that his unbelievable lifestyle and habits played a big part in hampering his career. In fact, Butch Harmon, his swing coach, quit in 2008 because he believed the most important thing in Daly's life was getting drunk. It became so much of a problem that in 2010, Daly committed to sobering up. In his autobiography, Daly even claims to have had a massive gambling problem as well. Losing between $50 million and $60 million over a 15-year period. That is absolutely crazy. And while John Daly absolutely had a cult-like following amongst his prime days on the PGA Tour and attracted a whole new fan base to the game, uh, his brazen and loudmouth nature really made him some enemies among his fellow competitors. In 1994, Daly went as far as accusing the majority of PGA golfers of being frequent cocaine users in an attempt to bash the PGA's drug testing policies in 1994. All of this with no substantial evidence and claiming he was the cleanest of them all. Hey, I told you he was unique. When characterizing the rookie version of John Daly, I can't help but think of a combination of Rocky Balboa and Happy Gilmore. I know that sounds silly, but hear me out. Let's start with Rocky Balboa. Rocky was an unknown boxer who gets extremely lucky when Apollo Creed offers him a chance at the title fight, while having no qualifications to even be in the fight. During the fight, it was clear that Apollo Creed was the more experienced and technically superior boxer, Rocky was an unknown and thus was grossly underestimated by Creed and Rocky used it to his advantage. And Rocky showcased a unique southpaw stance and powerful punches that made the fight much more challenging than expected. Rocky didn't fight pretty and most of his punches missed their mark, uh, but enough to hit to give Creed a challenge. John Daly was an unknown competitor and his unique play style and swing allowed him to utilize his distance slash power to his advantage and surprises competitors and overwhelms the golf course. Also, he has a rhyming nickname uh, Long John versus the Italian Stallion. And let's think about Happy Gilmore for a second. Weird swing that was completely different from everyone else? Check. Hit the ball way further than everyone else? Check. Attracted a whole new fan base to the game? Check. Wasn't afraid to show his emotions on the golf course? Check. And yes, Happy Gilmore did wrestle with an alligator. And while John Daly only resorted to throwing his clubs in the water, I'm sure John Daly would wrestle an alligator if he had the chance. It is super unlikely that someone with Daly's personality will ever grace the PGA Tour with their presence ever again. But Daly was a trendsetter despite his unicorn status in the PGA in the 90s. His ability to hit the ball extremely long distances foreshadowed the game's evolution to the present day. In 1997, uh, Daly actually became the first PGA Tour player to average more than 300 yards per drive on a full over a full season. On the two, on the 2017 PGA Tour, however, the average driving distance was 292.5 yards, with four of the top ten prize money winners averaging over 300 yards off the tee. How is this so? Well, golfers are increasingly better physical shape, and clubs and balls are more technologically advanced and manufactured for maximum ball distance and ball control. And courses have had to get longer as, as a result. They can no longer be short as players are hitting the ball further and the club and the technology of the game is allowing them to do so. Golf will never be a game of brute strength, uh, but ball distance is becoming even more important in order to compete. Just ask Bryson DeChambeau in his nine daily protein shakes. After Daly's emergence onto the tour in the early to mid-90s, along came another player who possessed Daly's type of power in the late 90s. Uh, but, this, but this player didn't have Daly's crazy swing, which produced inconsistent play. And this player had a dedication to the perfection and mastery of the game of golf that matched, that matched Daly's love of drinking. And Daly really never loved practicing, but this player practiced all the time. And that would be Tiger Woods. You may have heard of him. Daly absolutely blew away the competition at the 91 PGA Championship with his power, but Woods managed to replicate what Daly did with similar performances at almost every tournament for multiple years. Professionals of a sport have an unrivaled proficiency and understanding of their sport, but Woods broke the game of golf. Courses had to be Tiger-proofed to stop Tiger from overpowering every single course he played and winning tournaments by more than 10 strokes. Now, back to John Daly. As I've written and researched for this podcast, I constantly ask myself, how did he do it? Daly only had one major victory in his entire career after his 1991 feat. He had no experience on the big stage and had no time and sleep to prepare for an event filled with golf's finest competitors. Yet, Daly absolutely demolished the field in a way he never replicated the remainder of his career. I keep coming back to an interesting tidbit from Daily 2016 interview with Graham Bensinger.
1: I've contradicted everything that I've ever told the press, that I really didn't work hard on my game, and the less I worked on it, the better I played, which I did. Mm-hmm. Now that I try and work on my game, it, it, my whole philosophy, I don't know if it's stuck in my head that maybe it doesn't help me. I don't know. I honestly don't know. So that's where I'm at in my career, to balance it out. Why, why for me to even practice right now? I mean, it's just, but I still do, but nothing's paying off right now.
0: So there you have it. Daly didn't like practicing, and he believes when he was unpredictable and when he was less prepared, he played better. And I I guess you can't help but agree with him. When he was most underprepared and most inexperienced, he played his best golf of his career. I guess it's safe to say that Daly is a big fan of this famous Allen Iverson soundbite
1: when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, i supposed to be the franchise player, and we in here talking about practice. I mean, listen, we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about
0: practice. To all of the overachievers and underdogs, this has been the Cinderella Series. Thanks for listening.